This is Ed Cohen, broadcast host on Global Radio Talk Show, a broadcast service of globalbusinessnews.net. Coming to you today from Dallas, Texas, and San Diego, California, and our technical wizard, Paul, is in Las Vegas. Today, our special guest is Kelly Rabbits, Senior Global Account Manager with Global Mobility Solutions, a Scottsdale-based relocation management firm. Let's say hi to Kelly. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Ed. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for being our guest today on Global Radio Talk Show. So I'm interested to know your views as an RMC, a relocation management company executive, about all the stuff that's going on within the global relocation industry these days, being impacted by, of course, demographics, globalization, digitalization, you know, all the policy changes and issues. So about the new tax law, policy development, is it too soon to tell what's going on or is it drastically changing things already? Well, it did drastically change um, in 2018. So um, as I'm sure you're aware, in 2000, from 2017 previously, the household goods, auto moves, final move, et cetera, were excludable items. From 2018 on, those, anything that is part of 2018 is now become a taxable item, which has caused a little bit of concern for, as you can imagine, for uh, corporate clients. But we did just recently have some information where anything that was moved in 2017, regardless of whether it was paid in 2018 or not, would still be under the exempt policy or the excludable items, which is, a, which is great news. So it really is only going to impact anything that is from 2018 moving forward. So we did do a lot of analytics. I did personally for my clients to just kind of give them some peace of mind that it's really not going to change as much or or cost them as much as they probably thought it would. But it was obviously quite a concern and kind of made some some clients change their policies based on on that additional taxable item because the household goods is one of the largest expenses in relocation. So many companies are just paying more and just without making a big deal out of things. They're just willing to shoulder the cost. Isn't that correct? That is correct. I would say probably 96% of my clients have opted to cover that gross up, to pay that gross up on the household goods and final move. And you know, as I mentioned, that with the corporate benefit and the corporate tax reduction, you're not moving all of your employees. So there is a little bit of benefit there. So you're not spending as much as you might have thought. But, you know, like I said, I did some analytics and I was running anywhere from 5 to 9% difference in their relocation spend. Now, is this on domestic and international? It is if it's touching the U.S. So if only if it's touching the U.S. If you're going global to global, if you're going, you know, international to another international country, then those items are not taxable. Interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, the U.S., we like our taxes here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now let's move on. Uh, You know, we'll circle back to the tax thing, but I want to get into some more about in-house versus outsourcing. Mm -hmm. So what do you see happening there? Is anything different today? Well, I think, you know, a lot of of clients feel that sometimes they can handle that in-house because it's not a huge part of their job. So it's, you know, probably a small percentage of their HR function. However, it does take up, it ends up taking probably I would say 80% of their time because there's a lot involved with relocation. As I'm sure you know, being in the industry yourself, it's quite a bit of work that go, that's involved in it and a lot of questions that the employees ask. 
So when you break it down and find out, you know, what is the time you're spending on that and what is that taking away from your typical job in HR, it ends up costing a little bit more money than if they were to outsource to, an, to a, um, a third-party relocation management company. So are they outsourcing everything or just some things? Some clients will outsource everything. That's, that is the higher majority of clients. And some clients will only outsource certain things like home sale because they can't handle that internally. So when they outsource, that's because the relocation manager, for lack of a better phraseology at this moment, the relocation manager doesn't want to learn about relocation. <laughs> and <laughs> they want to hire an expert. It's like going to a doctor. You know, you're not going to treat yourself, although some people do. But you know, you're know, you not going to treat yourself um, and expect to get the best deals and look out for things 24-7 as opposed to hiring or outsourcing the responsibility in return for the professionalism. Isn't that right? I would agree with that. I think a lot of it has to do with, like you just said, like for me, like I'm, I'm not a recruiter. So I, so my job isn't recruiting new employees. So it allows them to focus on what their expertise is, where a relocation management company, their expertise is, is relocation. We do that 24 seven. So that's something that we have, expertise in that we know all the trends we know what's going on in the industry we know the laws so we know that how to answer those questions where this is really just a very small part of an hr function so they don't know all the ins and outs of the relocation industry so they rely on us and our expertise to provide that to their employees as well as to them to provide them the information of what they need for their employees as well as their corporation to save money to streamline you know to have a good experience all of those different things Okay, so when a service is outsourced, let's just say to you, I, I assume GMS wants to get that business, correct? Absolutely, well, all of your business, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so the service level agreement, so does that depend upon the assignment type? It really depends on, the, well, it's across the board. You have service level agreements for, you can have it as, as a whole, you can have it as a customer experience, you can have it as a van line, you know, delivery claim. There's several different SLAs. So it really depends on what the client's looking for, where they're, sometimes it's really where they're having a lot of pain points, where they feel like, hey, we really want to make sure we have a certain percentage of customer satisfaction. So it has to be at this level. If it goes below that, then you have to provide a, a dollar amount or whatever that whatever they feel is important to them. But we can, we can put an SLA on pretty much every service or the overall experience. So about outsourcing and about lump sums. Now, is it a generational thing? In other words, just because the younger people don't want to move their stuff, so are companies just given, what is it, debit cards or something or just a bank account with a certain amount of money? Well, there's definitely several reasons for lump sums. So it starts that it's not necessarily a generation thing. It's definitely a lot of corporations have a budget and they have accrual. So they say, I can only spend X amount of money. So they they look at that and say, hey, we'll tailor our, our programs based on the amount of money that we have or the budget that we have. But there are some flaws within that because you have a lot of areas where you're going to end up having a lot more exceptions when you do a lump sum. This is my experience. This is historically, again, I've done, I've run a lot of analytics for my clients because I understand the reasoning for lump sums. But I've found historically, if you tailor your programs and you have parameters around them, you end up spending less money because it's human nature. If you tell somebody they have, throw out a dollar amount, if you have $50,000 to spend, 
I'm going to spend every penny of that whether I need it or not. But if you have a tailored program that says you get these certain things, they're only going to use what they need. You might end up only spending $27,000. So if you tailor that, you are going to end up spending probably $100,000 for somebody. But you're also going to spend, you know, 20 to 25, and it's all going to even out at the end. So I've found that if you tailor those programs based on what the needs are of the individual, you end up spending less money. But to answer your question about generation, yes, of course, you have the, you know, the, the, the Gen Y, Gen Z, all the different ones that are like, you know, hey, we'll just take, you know, five, ten thousand dollars and we'll move. But, you know, the, they're not getting the, the, the services that they need. And there's also a lot of liability that goes along with that, with like the Airbnbs and the U-Hauls and different things where they're still on company time. So if they're on company time and something happens to them where RMC cannot manage that process, then they could actually file a claim against the corporation. So there's some hidden liabilities in there that clients don't really know or understand. So I, it's, it's an RMC's job to educate a client about that and let them know those different things. So the liability issue uh, of the employee making the wrong choice of a service provider or uh, not knowing what to do, this, I would think, is a huge problem. It is, and it can be. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, that doesn't happen too often, but it has happened in the past where, you know, think about driving cross country. Now you're, you know, you're taking time off work. So you're gone for, you're out of work for a week and you're packing your own household goods and you're driving cross country, you're staying in hotels or wherever you stay and you're, you know, unpacking your household goods. What happens if your truck catches on fire or you have an accident or something happens to a person, a person that, you know, they're they're driving for work to go to a new location those can all become liabilities that we have to educate our clients about. So do you get pushback from the clients that you're dreaming up scare tactics to get them to do something? <laughs> well, it's not dreaming it up. There are actual articles about things that have happened that have created some lawsuits and workman's comp and those different things. But it is something that you do need to share because, you know, it may not happen all the time, but it's a possibility. And to be quite honest, I don't get a lot of pushback. A lot of clients understand the fact that if you're doing the analytics and you're you're telling them the reasons why you should have these structured policies, and you know not just necessarily for accidental reasons, but just to save them money and to streamline, they're more willing to try those things and see how that works. And my you know my job is to do my due diligence and to provide that information and then trend that out and show them what they're spending. And, you know, if for some reason they end up spending more money, which in my experience, again, knock on wood, like they, they have not been spending more money. So it, it works in their benefit to have those structured policies. What percentage of all your clients or your contracts, if you will, are lump sums as opposed to other? I would say it's a small percent. I, I do recommend in all of my clients that they have a lump sum element for an entry level or a lower level employee that typically is either moving from their parents' house or moving from a roommate and moving to a new location. In the industry we call it a buck in a truck. So they, you know, they typically get a lower a lower amount, like a five thousand dollar lump sum, and they're moving from one place to another, but they're a very lower level. I would say I would I recommend that for a hundred percent of my clients, but as far as a solely lump sum I would say that's a very small percent of my clients. I'm not saying in the entire industry of my clients, I would say it's probably less than 10%. 
you know, I'm really interested in learning about the technology aspects, the application of tech to the mobility space. What do you see happening? Or is it just a lot of talk right now? In what aspect? I mean, there's there's always going to be technology. And, you know, fortunately, I actually, in my previous life at another company, I actually worked in the IT department, which I know is shocking, but <laughs> I did. Wow. So it's, yeah, so it's, you know, I think technology is very important. It's very important in this day and age, even for myself when I travel so much. I am on my phone. I can write policies on my phone. I can go online to our portal and, you know, help clients out, initiate relocations. So I think, you know, technology is very important. It does not replace the human element of relocation. And that's very important because I think as moving as individuals, and it's one of the most traumatic experiences in our lives, I think it's important to have somebody that you can call and talk to. Some people will prefer to be online and some will prefer to have someone to talk to every day. And I think the most important thing is to be able to have a combination of the two, which allows the individual to have their needs during their relocation. Now, in managing relocation, you have, you're right in the middle of like a maelstrom uh, circling around. I wouldn't call it a tornado effect, but there's just so many (laughs) things going on with each client. So to what extent are you insisting on the stakeholders and the transferee communicate in a portal or an app or some central place so there's a reduction of repetition and frequency of doing the same things with multiple stakeholders? Sure. So do you mean like having one place where everyone goes? Is that what you're saying? Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so yes, that is that is true. And I think across the industry, that is a, that's, that's something that everyone has, I hope so at least, that, you know, they have a you know, centralized portal where the client contact or the HR, HR payroll, different stakeholders have access to certain things and then your employee has access to certain things where they're able to submit expenses online and talk to their, their coach or counselor online and, you know, find out information about their new destination online, whereas your HR has the ability to do initiations, run reports, either spend all those different things on their portal. And what percentage of your current customers use your services international? Of mine personally or GMS as a as total? Well, let's, let's take both. <laughs> so mine personally, I would say 100% of my clients have a global element. So whether that's moving from Canada or Mexico or moving from Europe to the U.S. or moving into Europe, I would say 100% of my clients have some global element, and I would say at least 90% of our GMS clients have at least a global element. So tell me about what's coming in 2019. More of same, or will something be different? Well, I, you know, I think as an industry, we're always growing, right? We're always learning, and, and you know, different trends are coming along. I certainly hope, you know, that there are not, not any more shocks to us with tax laws, but, you know, you never know what that's going to look like. I will always hope that, you know, the home sale pieces are going to remain the same because that's a huge benefit to corporations, as you know, and that's something that, that we hope we never lose. I do think that there's going to be a lot more international growth and a lot more, just a lot of more global workforce, I think, and hopefully there's lots of women in there. But I think as far as industry, we're, we're always going to learn and grow and, you know, try different things. Technology is always going to grow because we're learning different things every single day, really. And we as GMS, I know for sure, and I'm sure other RMCs, we take a lot of feedback from our clients of what they're looking to see. 
And as the generations, the Gen Z comes along, they're going to have different needs, right? So you're going to see a little bit different technology and a little a little different portals and access to different things that we might not know now. But I think that technology for sure is going to be a huge growth in 2019. So what about this thing of uh, diversity, sending people, uh, you know, a more diverse group on assignment? Mm -hmm. Is that a drive by companies or is that just a, a lot of BS right now? Well, I do think that there there's a huge, you know, growth in diversity. And I think that's fantastic. And I do have a client that is extremely uh, up on the trends and everything that's going on and wants a lot of that diversity. And I think that that's nothing but positive. I think that diversity is great and we should have that across the globe. So I definitely think that that will be something that might be something that is more that we focus on in 2019. But, you know, as, as a woman, I, you know, I hope that that's true. And I hope that, you know, that we have a little bit more diversity and more leaders that are diverse. Right. And I was wondering myself uh, about if companies are striving to use a more diverse population for international assignments to reflect more of the audience uh, or their customer base, people of uh, different color or, or different background or religion. Obviously, the skill set has to be there. Correct. That's number one, of course. But mm -hmm. Just to reflect on the brand, the corporate brand, by sending a diversity of talent into the different markets. What do you think? Is there a future for that? I would think so, but what do you think? I would hope so. I would definitely hope so. And I do have to kind of reiterate a point that you just made. And I think the most important thing is that you have the correct talent. And as far as this is just my opinion, no reflection of my company or anyone else, but this is my opinion. I think it's important that you have that talent regardless of what that looks like, regardless of what shape that comes in or what color that comes in or anything else. I think it's important that you have that talent. And I think it's important that you open those doors and be able to offer that opportunity to whoever it belongs to. It doesn't matter what you look like, what color you are, what color your hair is or your eyes or, you know, what your gender is. I think it's important that we have that diversity based on the skill set. Well, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for your time. So let me ask you just a couple of questions as we come to a close here in a few minutes. Did you enjoy the recent convention? I did. I did. It's always exhausting, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think at some point, I think at some point you hit a wall because it's like you're there, like you're, um, it's, you're constantly going. But I always enjoy our convention. And I've been, like I said, I've been in the industry for so long. I know pretty much everyone in the industry and it's always so nice to see everybody. And I feel like it's kind of a big family, even though sometimes, you know, we work for different companies. I have several friends that work for competitors and we're all a big family and we share, you know, information, not client information, of course, but, you know, we share information about what's going on in the industry and we talk to each other and educate each other. And I think, that it's always a great opportunity to meet with people that you haven't seen in a while and get education and have the classes and the sessions. And I enjoy it thoroughly. Did you like it? Did you have a good time? <laughs> I did. You know, we opened the week with our meeting in Seattle at Nordstrom's uh, on Monday. And so it was a very long week for, you know, for me, but I found it to be terrific for meeting people who, whose names you just know, but Right. Don't don't have the occasion to press the flesh, if you will, talk in right, person. Right, right. And and get to know people, let people know who you are. 
I'm just jealous that you were at Nordstrom's because I'm a Nordy girl myself. <laughs> well, we were in the rack section, so <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. It, it was not quite a mob scene, but <laughs> no, actually, it was very nice. The next session you have at Nordstrom, make it in the shoe department, and I will be there. I promise. <laughs> I'll be sure we'll have a session of try-ons. Yes. There you go. <laughs> need the right fit. It's like the, exactly. It's like a signing selection. You need the right fit of shoes. Exactly. Yeah. Did you speak in any session? I did not. Not you know. Not this time. I mean, I've you know, I've I do speak from time to time, but I did not do anything in this one. And are you going to go to the BAM meeting in February? I am going to BAM. I'm also going to SCRC. And uh, gosh, it's like I, my weeks run together, Ed. It's going to be like November. I think it's November 7th. Uh, 7 or seven 8. Or eight? I'm going to go to that also, but I haven't registered. Oh, great. Yet, but, yeah, but I will. Yeah, I will yeah, be there. Be good. Yeah. So anyway, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. So Kelly, I love your name. Is that your maiden name or a married name? It is my maiden name. My maiden name, my dad was um, My dad was born and raised in Canada. If you go to Canada, you find a lot of rabbits. You don't find them a lot here. <laughs> but if you go to Canada, I'm probably related to all of them. Half, I'm half Canadian. <laughs> well, we're talking with Kelly Rabbits, CRP, <laughs> Senior Global Account Manager with Global Mobility Solutions out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I want to thank you for being our guest on Global Radio Talk Show. It's been delightful. Thank you so much for having me, Ed, and I look forward to seeing you at SCRC. Thank you. This is Ed Cohen signing off from San Diego, and thank you for listening to Global Radio Talk Show, a broadcast service of globalbusinessnews.net. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful day.